0: Have you ever heard the joke about Minnesota and its four seasons? There's probably different variations of it that you've heard before, but that the four seasons in Minnesota are almost winter, winter, still winter, and road construction. (laughs) That those are the four seasons that we get to experience. Now, I had this, well, joke the little bit of truth behind it brought out to me firsthand as we were taking my son back to college a few weeks ago. And so where he goes to college is a place that we've driven to very often. And so we know the roads, um, we know how to get there. It's not a brand new place. And yet here was the problem that every route we tried, and every set of roads that we thought would get us to the destination, none of them worked because inevitably, almost every place we turned, there was road construction and a sign for detour ahead. I mean, we've driven to New lots of times, and yet we actually took out our navigation app to see, okay, what is another way to get there? And even the navigation app was confused as it led us into road construction as well. I saw parts of Minnesota that I had never seen before. (laughs) A lot of corn. And hopefully, not because I didn't like it, but because it would mean I was lost, we'll never see again those areas of Minnesota And what it brought out to me as then I started thinking about this series and how I wanted to introduce it is that whether it's Minnesota road trips or whether it's something bigger than that, life itself, that there's something true about it, that we don't always know what's on the road ahead, that we don't always know what's on the road ahead. And while this is, has been always true about life, uh, I don't think it's been any more in our faces than over the last 18 months, right? I mean, just think about you, you people who like Excel spreadsheets and calendars and think about planning over the last 18 months, trying to plan for the future. I'll, I'll tell you that in my 18 years of ministry, Never has it been more difficult to plan for a new ministry season than it was over the last month. I remember the days when the hardest part was recruiting volunteers and fitting them all together, because it's like a big puzzle. (laughs) In the season we're in called COVID, (laughs) there was a whole lot more to it this year, and we're still kind of trying to navigate through it. Think about your personal plans plans that you have for a vacation maybe for spring break how's how's that planning going or your confidence around it plans for family reunions plans for the holiday plans for work how about plans for what the school year is going to look like once again i'm sure many of us are trying to plan but i Are you anything like me? When you put something on the calendar that's a couple months from now, it's like, okay, (laughs) we'll see about that. I'll put it in there. I have no idea whether it's going to happen or not. And because of the season that we're in right now, you know what also is more prevalent than ever before? It goes hand in hand with it. it. It's uncertainty. Uncertainty is something that we've always had to deal with, but it's something that all of us are dealing with in kind of a a new way, which is why I think we need to be more patient, more forgiving, more intentional, church, with listening before judging than ever before. Because there is something that's true about uncertainty. When uncertainty is heightened, so is emotion. When you're uncertain, emotion is going to heighten. It's just gonna happen. And sometimes that emotion is frustration. That's what I was dealing with as I was navigating the cornfields of Southern Minnesota. Frustration. But there's another one that I've seen that's to me probably the biggest one that people are dealing with. And a lot of people don't even recognize that it's there, but it's underlying. When uncertainty is heightened, so is fear. And you're like, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not just talking about fear of death, although that's part of it. I'm talking about fear of losing a lifestyle, fear of loss of income. I'm talking about fears like fear over what's going to happen to this country, depending on what happens in the next little bit. Fear of thoughts and ideas and people that think and act differently maybe than we do. The underlying root, I think, for so many people, even though many of us maybe don't even realize it, to the way that it's been so hard to interact is fear. Fear over losing something. Now, I also want you to know that fear on its own is actually not a bad thing. That fear is an indicator for us to pay attention to something. So the other day I was out on my deck and a wasp was heading around my head and near my arm. And I didn't need to tell myself, Ben, duck now, or Ben, wipe that wasp off God's created us with this fear indicator that when we're in a dangerous situation, you'll feel something. You'll feel fear and then you react. So fear doesn't need to be a bad thing on its own, but here's where it gets dangerous. And here's where I've seen um, many of us, if not all of us in one way or another, go sideways. What is dangerous is when we're living out of fear. It's not bad to have fear. We all will. But what happens and what's dangerous is when that is the primary motivator, even underlying of our actions and our lives, it is dangerous to live out of fear. And yet the uncertainty remains, doesn't it? So this series is called The Road Ahead. Not because I'm gonna tell you What's coming and what's on the road ahead? I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> but instead, what we're going to do is we're going to take five weeks, every single week being a, a different thing that we can do and or think about that will help prepare us for whatever might be on the road ahead. I don't know what's on the road ahead. You don't know either, but we can be prepared. And that's what that leads us to our first fill in for today. We may not know what's on the road ahead, but we can grow. We can work. We can grow to be ready for whatever it might be. And so today we're going to begin by addressing that underlying emotion and feeling that so many people have been having. I think all of us at one time or another, the fear of loss, the fear of whatever, we're going to talk about fear. Now, many of you know that uh, the Psalms is an Old Testament gathering or collection of songs a whole bunch of songs. And what maybe you didn't know is that there's 15 of these songs in the Old Testament that were written to be used and to be sung when people were on a road trip. It was like this ancient Spotify list that God put together that you you put on your phone and you listen to while you're traveling. These 15 songs for the road have been given the name the Songs of Ascent, which is a really weird name that uh, God named this uh, Spotify playlist, the Songs of Ascent. Why, why that name? Well, one thing you need to know about ancient Israelites and ancient people in general, um, you probably travel further in one month, maybe even less than they would have traveled in their entire lives. Clearly, obviously, there weren't cars. People didn't really go far from their hometown or where they lived. But for an Israelite, probably the biggest trip they would ever go on, and most went on this trip multiple times throughout their lives, was to celebrate a feast or a festival in Jerusalem around their faith, whether that be the Passover uh, or something else. And so... Something you may not know about Jerusalem is that its positions, it's situated on the plateau in the midst of mountains, in the midst of really large hills. Wherever you travel in Israel, wherever you come from, as you travel to Jerusalem, you are inevitably going to be going up. You're going to have to travel up. You're going to have to ascend And so that's why these songs were called the songs of ascent because the time that Jews were on the road the most or traveling the most was on the way to Jerusalem and they would inevitably be traveling up. Let me read verse one of this song for the road. Here's how it starts. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now, Have you ever traveled uh, through the Rockies in Colorado or maybe the Smokies in Tennessee? Depending on what you like, there's really not much that's more beautiful than traveling through the Rockies in Colorado. It's amazing. And what makes it even better is that you're sitting in your four-wheel drive SUV, temperature-controlled cabin on smooth roads that have been paved with blacktop. That's our experience traveling through mountains. That's not the experience of Israelites. They didn't have paved roads. They were made of gravel. They didn't have cars. They walked. And so walking to Jerusalem, traveling to Jerusalem was dangerous. It was dangerous to travel through the mountains in part because there was the danger of falling and even even death on the way. There's something else too that you wouldn't know unless you'd studied this before is that traveling through the mountains was very dangerous because it was also the perfect place for thieves and robbers to steal. You see, not only do the little nooks and crannies of mountains uh, create great places for thieves to hide, but along with that, When families were traveling to Jerusalem, they weren't just going for a day and then traveling home. They would stay for weeks, sometimes even months. And guess what? They also did not have debit cards. So they brought animals and they brought their entire family. They brought their possessions. They brought money as well. But they were loaded up for an entire month. So not only was it easy to hide, these were prime targets. For thieves. Now, with that as a background, let me read this verse again. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. (laughs) They're just starting the journey. Where does my help come from? Those words take on an entirely different meaning, don't they? When you recognize and realize all the unknowns for these Israelites as they began their travel up to Jerusalem. And you can imagine some of them being so intimidated by the journey ahead that maybe they didn't even come. Maybe they had stayed home or you can think of others that every step of the way, they're not sure what's around the corner. They're not sure what's on the road ahead. And so if they're focused on the mountains, if they're focused on the hills, if they're focused on what could be coming, guess what they're gonna feel? Fear every step of the way. But here's what I want you to know. And it, it, it's biblical and it's practical. It's application. We're gonna get, come back to it at the very end. Number two, worry and fear are influenced By where you choose to look. Fear, whether it's heightened or lessened, is directly influenced by where you choose to focus, what you choose to concentrate on, what you choose to dwell on. It will have a direct effect on how you feel. Where are your eyes going to dwell? What are you feeding your heart What is it that you're concentrating and focusing on? That's going to affect us and how we feel. Do you go to bed at night and wake up in the morning focused on the big, bad hills and mountains? I lift up my eyes to those mountains. Man, where's my help gonna come from? Or you focus somewhere else. where are your eyes going to dwell? Now, I do want to pause and just say what I'm not saying. Let me be clear about what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that when we suspect that there's difficulty on the horizon, that we should just, you know, put our heads in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm not talking about negligence when it comes to planning for what's ahead because I can't focus on the mountains. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. In fact, we'll have a message later in this series where we're going to dive into the direct result often of our lives based on the choices that we make in the present. And that's a real thing. But for today, we're recognizing that if you only focus on the mountain, And what is uncertain, the uncertainty, there's going to be fear. If we think about the mountain and think in our hearts, man, I got to figure this out. I got to make sure everything's okay. It's up to me. It's up to us. You're going to feel, if that's the only thing you're focused on, overwhelmed, fearful, and worried. Because there is a kind of weight There is a type of weight that you were never created to carry. God did not design you to carry certain types of weight. It it reminds me of a little story from uh, when I was in college working at a lumber yard. I I drove forklift, drove a little bit of truck uh, for them as well. But I remember one day a guy came in uh, to the store and he ordered almost... It was almost a full pallet of, or bundle, of plywood, which you're talking 1,500 pounds to 2,000 pounds probably. And so, you know, I go back, got the order over the uh, intercom, got on my forklift, took the the bundle out, and he drives around in this little Chevy S10. (laughs) I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, we're going to put this in the back of that S10. And he's like, well, I don't have to go very far. Well, it doesn't matter how far you go if the shocks explode, okay? And thankfully, we didn't have an argument about it or anything like that. And we convinced him, probably not a good idea. Why don't you uh, come back with something else or we'll give it to you in smaller segments, okay? But an S10 wasn't designed to carry that kind of weight. And if we tried the truck would be wrecked. Some of us are feeling fear, anxiety, and worry because we're trying to carry the weight of our family's safety or the weight of income or the weight of protection or whatever purely on our own. And you were not created to carry that kind of weight that we weren't created to be able to control outcomes on our own. doesn't mean our choices don't have influence. They do. But there is a point between what we can control ends and what we have to give to someone else begins. And that gap needs to be filled not with worry, but with trust. Let me read the entire journey jam that we have here in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help, it comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He won't let your foot slip. He who watches over Israel, over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. You know, a lot of times, it's not as important Where we're going than it is who's going with us. It's not as important what's on the road ahead as it is who's going to be walking with us. It's one thing to go into maybe a dangerous part of a city, it's another thing to go with a police escort. It's one thing to go to a foreign country you know nothing about, it's another thing to go with a tour guide. It's one thing to go to a new school for the first time on the first day. It's another thing when you have a bunch of friends who are in your class. It's not always what's ahead or where we're going. It's an acknowledgement of who goes with us. And what we're recognizing and what this writer tells us is that We walk on this journey. They walk to Jerusalem. They go through the mountains with the Lord who never leaves them, who's awake all the time, who never slumbers or sleeps. I'm gonna say it this way. It's not the size of the mountain in front of you. It's the size of the God who is with you. See, I, I may not be able to carry the weight of what might be coming. But God is. And whatever's coming, he's got it. It's not gonna be a surprise to him. That's why, and my wife can confirm this, I sleep soundly every single night. I'm not up worried I'm also not at the age yet where I need to go up to use the bathroom a lot either at the evenings, okay? So I sleep soundly every single night because I know God's got this. So our eyes, where we're focused, number three, look to the one who is bigger than the thing that is bigger than you, whatever that is. I don't know what it is for you exactly or what little aspect it is of what you're most worried about in the road ahead. But look to the one who is bigger than the thing you're worried about that is bigger than you. And there's two things about God that I really quickly just want to point out from the verses that I, I just read. Uh, the first has to do with uh, those lines that talk about how he never slumbers or sleeps. It's this that God's presence is constant. It doesn't matter as much where you go as who goes with you, we said, right? He's always with us. He never leaves us. And in fact, we know that the songwriter wanted to emphasize this because in the eight short verses, there is a word in the Hebrew that shows up six times in eight short verses that hardly ever happens. What it means is that this word is kind of the central point of the song. In Hebrew, it's shamar, you know, you just have to take my word for it. (laughs) What it means in English is the Lord watches over you. He sees you. When you feel all alone, shamar, the song says, God is with you when you're worried about an unknown future. Shamar. God's right there. When the health report comes back bad, when you're starting a new school, when the year is scary, when you're concerned about how all of this might affect your children in the future, when the job doesn't work out, when you're in the valley, when you're on the top of the mountain, Shamar, 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 Shamar. God watches over you. There's nothing we face, nothing we endure on the road ahead that's outside of God's control. There is nothing bigger than him. And he knows it all. And as the Israelites are walking, the best thing they could sing about is, God's with me. I don't know what's around the corner, but his presence is constant. And number two that comes out is that his power is complete. There's nothing we're going to run into that's bigger than him. He's bigger than whatever big thing you're facing, right? And in fact, in, in some ways, well, if you look at those verses, especially verses five through eight, it is. It might even sound like, I don't know that this is true. What do I mean? But let's just look at verses seven and eight. It says in the song, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He'll watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Do you feel like this is true in your life? If you don't have questions about this, You're probably not paying attention because I have questions about this or did. I'm going to say it this way as a question. How do I reconcile words like that, the words of this psalm with the reality of my life? See, here's what the psalmist is forcing us to do. He's forcing us to take a couple steps backwards from whatever it is you're focusing on so that you can see what's all around it. He's forcing us to consider a bigger picture because here's what I know. You've experienced bad things in your life. It's felt like your foot slipped a little bit. Cancer is bad. COVID is bad. Broken relationships are bad. Hatred is bad, division is bad, we've we've experienced bad things in our lives. But to parse words a little bit, the psalmist didn't say he's gonna keep you from all bad things in this life. Said he's gonna keep you from harm, which is the result of whatever it is you're facing. And what we have as God's children is a God who, in the moment, we can't always understand it or know it, but even the bad things in life will not work themselves out for our harm. But instead, what does God say? That even those things I'm going to use to grow you, to make you stronger, to bring you closer to me, to force you to get down on your knees in prayer when things are going well, so easy to forget. I'm going to keep you from all harm. I want you to know that even the bad things you experience, I'm going to use them. And as we consider that big picture and as we kind of get wrapping up here, to me, it's so ironic that in the midst of all these mountains and hills on the way to Jerusalem that were filled with danger And uncertainty of what's on the road ahead, there was one hill right near Jerusalem that most of you actually probably even heard the name of. It's called Golgotha, one of the hills around Jerusalem. And it's so amazing to me to think that. Jesus in his love came down into our uncertainty. He came down into the things that are causing us concern. He came down into this life, literally in those hills. And he died on the cross so that his death means that we have proof of his love for us now and into eternity. And that his rising from the dead reminds us and proves his power His power to guide us and to be with us and whatever it is we face and then to somewhere else. (laughs) Look at verse eight again. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven. You see, there's a lot we don't know about the road ahead. But there's one thing we do know. As those who have been redeemed and purchased by Christ, we know what's ultimately at the end of all these hills and mountains. Not Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem, as we talked about last week. The city of God, eternity in heaven, And God, until we get there, and even as we're there, is going to be with us. So, number four. Here's what we need to do. In this season especially, when you're feeling fear because of the mountains, when you're feeling worried because you're not sure what's on the road ahead, don't look at the mountains. Lift your eyes above the mountains and to the Lord. When you feel fear creeping in, don't allow yourself to stay there, but instead lift your eyes above the mountains to the Lord. On good days, lift up your eyes above the mountains and thank God for that day. On difficult days, lift your eyes above your mountains And know that God walks with you. On days that you're filled with fear, pause and ask yourself, Where am I looking right now? And focus your eyes above the mountains because it makes a difference where you look. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for reminding our hearts. And I'm guessing every single one of us in this room and watching online needed this today, focusing our hearts on the reality that you are with us right now. And yes, as parents send off their kids to school over the last few weeks and as we start a new ministry season and as we just live our lives, there's a lot we don't know about the road ahead. But Lord, more than where we're going is who walks with us. I pray for an increased trust in all of the people that are listening to this and that we would be able to put away fear and instead have confidence knowing it's gonna be okay, that you're bigger than our mountains and point us to the cross as proof. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.